Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. You are hanging out with uh, three of uh, three Olympians of ridiculosity, of ridiculousness. Uh, don't think about that too much. Just say hi to our super producer, the one and only Mr. Max Williams. They call me Ben. Noel, have you ever been to the Olympics, bro? No. I have not. Um, not not really a sports guy, but I mean, I do understand. I appreciate the uh, the history, the long tradition of, mm. of Olympian uh, athleticism and all of that. I mean, the old school, the OG Olympics uh, in Greece, that's the real stuff. You know, that's really, truly like fighting in the eyes of the gods, you know, hand-to-hand combat and javelin throwing and all of that. The shot, the discus. You know, that's the kind of classic Olympics that I want to see, but they don't do those anymore. Yeah, for a number of reasons. And today's story, today's story takes us right back to that time you described. There is a uh, an infamous Olympic victor named Arikion of Figalia, who was engaged in one of those old school pretty violent Olympic sports back in the day in 564 BCE. This guy was known for his aptitude in a sport called pancration. Kind of like the the early equivalent of MMA today, yeah. right? Where it's like bare knuckle grappling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like boxing and wrestling had violent, hate-filled consummation and they had a kid. It would be this sport. Uh, it translates to all of might. 
It's not not as oh, safe as, as say curling, <laughs> but uh, but this no no yeah. definitely not. But but a super interesting. I mean, spectator sport. I mean, essentially not that far off from like you know a, a gladiator type fight, except this involved no weapons. It was hand to hand combat. No holds were barred, right? Except mm-hmm. for I think eye gouging. I think there was like eye gouging was one step too far. Yeah, yeah. And this sport in particular became part of the Olympics in 648 BCE. But we know people probably practiced different versions of this for a while beforehand. Uh, This was of the time where there were multiple things that we would kind of think of as Pan-Hellenic games in general. And this was one of the only sports to be included in all four festivals. There were only four sports that were in all four of these pan-Hellenic celebrations slash death matches, as we'll find. Uh, we know we know about the story of Arikion because much later in the 2nd and 3rd century CE, uh, there were some guys who wrote about this. The story of the match, by the time they wrote about it, was probably already oral tradition. So we know there was a bit of a game of telephone. There might be some exaggerations here, just to be clear. But before we get into the details of what happened with Arikion, what makes him so special for our story today, maybe we talk just a little bit more about his background. So he was like, he was like a LeBron dude. He was like a a Tiger Woods or a Michael Jordan or a um, Wayne Gretzky. Did I get that right, Max? Wayne Gretzky, hockey? He's the hockey guy. Yeah, yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Michael He's Jordan. literally the only hockey player whose name I'm aware of, so he must be pretty good. Yeah, Ben, you surprisingly did a good job on that one. I am actually kind of impressed right now. <laughs> Thank that you. Sounded, that I sounded figured. very uh, very sincere. <laughs> yeah, but but I got another one, like, like a Matt Hamilton, if we want to do a curling one. Since you've already mentioned curling. Nobody which knows also, anything about Matt Hamilton. Come on, oh, Max. Yo, I will send you a lot of documents about Matt Hamilton after this. I'm good. Yo, he um, is as amazing of a person as you want to see. Max with the facts. Who's that sneaking in the phone? It's Max! And he's full of knowledge just for you right now. Here he comes. It's Max with the facts! Oh, indeed. There it is. Oh, I love that sound oh, I love it. It's the best thing ever of all time. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. This guy was a big deal. He was he was known, uh, you know, obviously throughout Greece and beyond by the Olympics of 564 BCE. He was sort of a little longer in the tooth, you know, and this was like almost like one of those like, uh, you know, like like Apollo Creed, you know, like bringing back the old timer to do oh, a yeah. big, you know, a comeback fight kind of situation. He was a good bit older than many of the competitors in this uh, very, very, very brutal and no-holds-barred um, fight style that he was going to compete in. Also, there was uh, kind of like a new up-and-coming champion who was sort of the favorite to, like, take uh, this guy's crown, to take Arikion's crown. Yeah, exactly. And this guy's name is lost to history, but we know he was a bruiser for sure. So. They didn't have a ton of breaks between bouts. So at this point in the story, Arikion's already probably pretty close to exhausted. As you said, Noel, he's older, he's a little worn down. He has to use, he has to lean on his experience to make up for what he might have been lacking in terms of physical skills. So he's still fighting like a wildcat, you know? And then all of a sudden, 
and his opponent gets him in a chokehold. Like we said, totally legal in this brutal sport. And so Arikion is desperate, basically. He grabs this younger guy by one of his feet, and then he wrenches the foot, and it causes an Crack. audible... Oh yeah! No, no, no! Not a cute pop like that, Ben. No, no, not a chance. No, it would be a a horrific crunching, snapping of bones. The foot is now dangling like a floppy fish on the end of this guy's leg, and Arikion is is milking it like like literally like like flip like like grinding it back and forth to cause this guy excruciating pain. While this guy, in an attempt to you know get him off it. I imagine, and maybe even win the bout. He's like choking Arikion out, Arikion out, uh, throttling him, uh, as it were. And eventually, this guy does the signal. Uh, I believe in these days it was putting one finger up. I guess he did that with the hand. He was not throttling Arikion, <laughs> uh, and that right. was the signal that he was tapping out. That he was like, "I'm good," and uh, yeah. therefore uh, Arikion won. He was the victor. But there was a slight complication. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was dead. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He had died of suffocation while he was ruining this guy's life, right? This guy is not going to be yeah. walking right ever again. Uh, but he is going to be breathing, which Arikion was not by the time the match got called. Yep. So um, the research for this, we found it referred to as likely the only time a corpse has been declared the winner of a sport. Um, But this just went further in kind of solidifying this dude's legendary status, right? Nothing better than a death to, to really cement, you know, someone's kind of place in the in the stratosphere of like a sport or a, you know, musical genre or film. You know, if you die at the peak of your game like that, then you are going to be uh, revered. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he went out like a G as far as the world of Greek athletics was concerned. Uh, They started immortalizing him in sculpture. The whole reason we know about this story today is because people really lionized, almost deified this match uh, and Arikion's role in it. and. He, you know, you can see multiple accounts of just the blow by blow of how how gross this was. One thing we should mention here is that Arikion was able to get a hold of this ankle because he pretended to pass out before he actually passed. He was like, oh, you got me. And then, boom. Yeah. Uh, But because he was trapped in that chokehold by a guy who is very good at chokeholds, he did die of suffocation, but you'll see other reports that say he died with a broken neck. Uh, and this to us, I don't know. I, to, to us, this is pretty startling because, you know, what would happen if something like that occurred in the world of modern sports? Like what if maybe the closest analog might be boxing, I mean, it's not perfect, but that's a pretty close comparison where, like, let's say they're two heavyweight champs. They're going for the belt, and then one of them, they hit each other at the same time, right? And one of them falls to the ground first and passes out, but the other one gets a concussion that results in their death, you know, or a brain bleed like a day later. That's kind of what would happen. Would that would that person who died, would they still posthumously get the title? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I was doing some quick little research over here, and sadly, deaths in boxing are not as uncommon as you'd think. I mean, you don't see them on, like, you know, these big pay-per-view televised matches, stuff like that. But, you know, some of the smaller fights that are still, you know, professional and stuff, you will see boxers pass away. And most times it is, you know, from an injury they occurred, usually losing from like a knockout or something. But there are a number of times in these last you know, even 20 years where someone has won the fight, usually a long heavyweight, like 10 round fight. 
And then they feel woozy after the fight. They don't feel well after the fight and they go to the hospital and, you know, they unfortunately pass away afterwards. And yes, in those cases, they are champion. Um, through just some very quick research I've done, though, I, I haven't found any example of someone winning the fight in the ring and dying in the ring, similar to like how Raytheon won his fight. And I don't know, I, I think for everyone, I hope not to ever see that myself. Yeah. So we, again, we know that there are a couple of different guesses because again like i said there's this game of telephone you'll see some sources say died as of asphyxiation which is one of the generally accepted explanations but then you'll see other people who are kind of contemporary these claims are kind of contemporary with each other uh, meaning that they occur at the same period in time other people will say no he had a broken neck and then someone else will say no if you really look at it he had a heart attack but either way uh he died known as a champion he probably died a few moments before the fight was called um but technically to history he is an olympic champion and noel in the course of our research uh we found some direct quotes describing this like there's one from pausanias who was a greek geographer in second century ce and i think this would be an excellent opportunity for a dramatic reading what do you say bro Oh, man, you know, I'm a big fan of a dramatic reading. Any chance we get. For when he was contending for the wild olive with the last remaining competitor, whoever he was, the latter got a grip first and held Arachion, hugging him with his legs. And at the same time, he squeezed his neck with his hands. Arachion dislocated his opponent's toe, but expired owing to suffocation. But he who suffocated Arachion was forced to give in at the same time because of the pain in his toe. The Elions crowned and proclaimed Victor, the corpse of Arachion. It's so weird because now it's just the toe. But we're pretty sure it was the ankle, I think. There's another guy about 100 years later, uh, Philostratus, who tells a similar story. And he says, with Arachion, the pancreatist who had already won two Olympic Games and after this fought in the third Olympiad in the finals, already thought about submitting. His trainer, Erixius, brought him to despise death by shouting from outside the ring, What a wonderful funeral speech if one can say he did not give up at Olympia. So he's also saying like his trainer told him to die. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of weird. You'd think he would, uh, he would want him to live and persevere. So let's talk a little bit more about this bizarro sport called Pancration. Again, you described the Greek translation as being all of might. Uh, and that kind of translates to no holds barred in order. Like, in other words, you get to use everything you got. And if I'm not mistaken, weren't these done in the nude? At least that's what all of the, uh, the pottery and, and fresco type, type paintings uh, demonstrate. Mm. Well, they definitely weren't wearing like, full regular street gear just because, you know, the opportunities that would provide for grappling or for asphyxiating someone, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. it, it would be a very surprisingly violent thing for a modern sports enthusiast to watch today. And I think you're spot on with that MMA comparison. Uh, we mentioned the four Pan-Hellenic festivals. Uh, we should name them. 
Those were the ancient Olympic Games, the Isthmian Games, the Pythian Games, and the Nemean Games. Again, almost like no safety restrictions. People weren't really talking about the idea of concussions or like no below the waist blows. It was kind of everything goes, except as you pointed out, eye gouging. So (laughs) you might have, like if you had been a veteran of a conflict, you would compare this a lot to hand-to-hand combat in war. It was considered by far the most dangerous of the three combat sports. And, you know, oddly enough, it continued after Erikion died. It was still in the festival. Let's see, we said it was introduced in 648 BCE, right? And then we see this infamous fatal match. It might surprise you then to know, ridiculous historians, that Pankration continued as an official part of the Olympics until 394 CE. So for hundreds of years, it was as as ruthless as it sounds. This death was actually probably great, uh, great PR for the sport. People started to be thought of as like incredibly brave and courageous and just real hard cases for participating. Uh, it only ended, as a matter of fact, because of an emperor's decree. Theodosius I said, okay, we, we got to stop doing this. And even weirder, I don't know if you clocked this, Noel, but after he says that decree, after he, uh, sorry, after he announces that proclamation or what have you, all of the festivals slowly started to die out. They got less and less popular for a number of factors, but I, I would argue one of those factors leading to their decline was that people knew that they probably wouldn't see someone die. And so they're like, ah, I don't know, man, I get, I can spend money on something else. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't like, you know, Roman bread and circuses type vibes. I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, people were being thrown into the fighting pit against opponents who were far overpowered in terms of like the armor and weaponry and all that. This was an even playing field for all intents and purposes, even though it was brutal and often could result in in a death. You know, it was not necessarily required for it to be a fight to the death, but it was certainly on the table. And it actually is kind of back uh, in, in a weird way. There is a mm-hmm. modern movement that has uh, created kind of a small revival of the sport, but it is a bit more regulated and less violent. Did we talk too about how there would be like a, a referee that would like hit them with a whip if they got, oh. if they got a little too saucy? We totally, we totally, totally should. Cause we, we, let's yeah. talk about some of the ins and outs. Okay. Tell us about the ref. It's great. Yeah, that was pretty much it. It was like a ref, uh, but instead of like in boxing, it was separate them. You know, this, this guy literally was armed with some sort of like braided, you know, cat and nine tails type situation and could absolutely use it when needed if people were getting a little too eye gougy or something. But again, there's really no holds barred besides that. It probably didn't happen too, too much uh, because mm-hmm. it was everything was pretty much fair game, right? Yeah, yeah. So your three ways of winning are, first, you're supposed to aim to force your opponent into submission, and then they'll raise the index finger, you know, like someone who's walking in church late, or you could knock them out, or you could kill them. All three of those situations counted as a win. Like you said, the last two are not as common. And then there was no time limit, no pausing to collect yourself, 
And the only other way out would be for a judge to call the match. Think about this. They're like reading the room of the audience. And if they think it's going on too long, then they'll just choose a winner or they would declare a tie, which no one really wanted. And they would call the fight. Oh, we should also mention you're not allowed to bite people. No, by that was seen as uncivilized. What about scratching? Scratching Scratching is fine. Scratching is fine. Not in the eyes, but like maybe in the nose. Could you, could you do that move? Fine. Like, remember, in the, have you seen the Lady Killers? Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of a minor Coen Brothers movie where, uh, yeah, uh, Tom Hanks plays this like kind of Colonel Sanders character. There's a scene where like one of the dudes in his crew, who's like a kung fu master, like sticks his fingers up this dude's nose and like you know basically has him under his control. And the guy's like, "Get your fingers out my man's nose." Uh-huh. Always remember that line. I don't remember much else about the movie except where he talks about the the instrument called the sackbutt, which is like a, which I believe is an ancient version of like a lute. You'd think it would oh, be cool. like a bassoon or a wind instrument, but I believe the sackbutt was more of a stringed instrument. For some reason that makes me think of bagpipes, but I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm just going off the sack idea, you know, or the butt idea. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. 
And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It was brass. It's like more like a trombone. The sack butt was a Renaissance and Baroque era trombone. My bad. There you go. There you go. And Tom Hanks' character in there is is pretty fascinating to me. I love the voice. He's um, funny. Yeah, he is funny. So where does this, where does this leave us? Well, history is a conversation, but it's also a study of precedent. And a lot of experts trace the emergence of mixed martial arts to a that revival of this style in 1969. We know that this continues, right? We know people are fascinated by the idea of one-on-one combat, even with rules or even with fewer rules. One thing that really stood out to me in our research here, and this is this is a, a bit of a shorter episode for us, but we, we really hope that you're enjoying this strange explanation because this was all news to us. There are multiple athletes who have died in the course of the Olympics, and some of them are a little more recent than you might imagine. There's an excellent list of this on grunge.com by Deborah Kelly, uh, which lists people who, let me see, I'm trying to remember, the most recent one may have been Balmain Golbarnazad in, uh, in 2016, actually, in the Paralympics. He's the first athlete to die in the Paralympics in a bicycle crash. Yeah, we have actually a pretty sad and heartbreaking one from the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. Uh, big fans of Olympics will probably remember this one. Uh, there was a loser uh, from the country of Georgia. Name is Nodar Kumar Tashvili. I think I'm saying the last name right. Uh, apologies if I butchered a little bit. He was competing in the luge. It was during like the training runs. So like before they start the whole like, qualifying, medal rounds for that, everyone kind of it's a few runs on the track to get practice in. So it's like right beginning of the Olympics, maybe even like before all the big activities happened and an accident happened and he was going like 70 miles an hour, hit a metal pole, unfortunately, and died shortly afterwards, which it was, it was shocking. It's like, Whoa, somebody dying at the Olympics. It's like, that's not supposed to happen. Um, And there's, there's been a lot of, kind of conspiracy about it all i mean the ioc people in charge of the olympics immediately said oh well that's the luge federation the charge of the luge federation's like well the track's fine um he just wasn't a good enough loser which is like so tone deaf and so bad i mean they rightfully have been just run through the mud on this but i mean it's still i don't know what just have a resolution was it's like yeah he wasn't like one of the top losers in the world but like I think if someone's competing in the Olympics, the track should be safe enough for everyone. But uh, I don't know, to end on kind of a more positive note, I guess, is um, these previous Olympics, the uh, Beijing 2022 Olympics, his cousin, Sata, actually competed in the luge. So that that's cool right there. And luge is so dangerous, man. Oh, my God, so the fun, luge. But... It looks fun, but it's like, it's like going down 
a water slide where you're just constantly picking up speed. And the only way you have to steer is by like kind of leaning slightly in one direction or another. I mean, I, I always, I always picture they're just going to go up the sides, you know, and then just like fly out into oblivion, which I bet has happened a time or two. Uh, how did the yeah. luge guy die? So he, he went high up on the wall yeah. and they thought they had built the wall up high enough that like, Oh, no one will get up this high. And he, it turns out he did, which is, you know, heartbreaking, but Yeah. It's yeah, a scary sport. They also have the one where two of them ride on the luge together. Mm-hmm. Is that is that called the tandem luge? Well, what's the name for that? Uh, double luge, I think. Okay. No offense, Go but I'm I'm literally not close with any living person. Not close enough to do that. You know, mm-hmm. if I go down, I'm I'm just going down by myself. Would you guys be down to do like a four person bobsled with us? So it's like Ben, Noel, Max, and I don't know Strickland. Sounds good. Strickland can be in the front. He can lead with his <laughs> shiny bald head. We'll do a cool runnings thing. I would love that. Yeah. Or if you are a illusion enthusiast, ridiculous historian, let us know uh, who you think our fourth person would be. I'm okay with, I, I think, Noel, we'd want to figure out what the respective roles of the four-person team are. Bad right? man. I'm the okay, bagman. Bagman, gotcha, gotcha, as ever. Uh, and I, I just want to, I want to make sure before we volunteer Strickland for this that he is, uh, he is on board, or that we have some kind of like blackmail on him that makes it impossible for him to refuse. Oh, I've been holding on to some. Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't played some? all my cards yet with the Quister. Let me tell you, I got some got serious some dirt. Some, oh, I got some juicy got some dirt. dirt, some dirty juice. All right. Well, that dirt will get us into our own cool runnings vibe. I love it. Uh, this is the story of this is the story of one of the very first people to die in the course of the Olympics. As we said, it's not the only story, but for some people, this is a very inspirational story. It's a story of the absolute commitment to competition and victory at any price. The question is, what price would you pay for victory? And that's that's a question that uh, people have to answer on their own. In the meantime, we're going to call it a day. Uh, we are off to do some research for our upcoming Super Duper collaboration mm-hmm. with Mark Kendall and Bill Worley, the masterminds of Ridiculous News. In the meantime, you can hear them right now anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You sure can. You can also hear Max Williams' incredible podcast that he does with his brother Alex, Ephemeral, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can find Ridiculous History on the internet. We are on Instagram at Ridiculous History. We are on Facebook. You can join our Ridiculous Historians Facebook group. You can also find us as individual human people. We exist outside of podcastdom. It's true. You can find me exclusively on Instagram where I am at How Now Noel Brown. Ben Bolin, where can they find you? Oh, snap. Well, uh, you can say my name three times into a mirror in the dark. Uh, if that doesn't work, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Bolin. Is that a Candyman kind of situation? Or? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's a okay, okay. it's a thing. Um, Crossroads at midnight also. But, you know, those are timing dependent. So if you want to just hop over onto Instagram, you can see me where I am at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. Exciting updates. I sneak in a few spoilers that I don't always say on air. So uh, so give me a follow uh, and then let's let's hang out online together while you're hanging out with me on Twitter. I would love to introduce you to one of my favorite Twitter confederates. That's right, folks. The rumors are true mr max williams in addition to putting up with nolan me also has a twitter account 
I do. You can find me at at ATL underscore Max Williams, where, you know, I'll just kind of be lurking around the background, trolling Ben and uh, tweeting about some sports and stuff. Exclusively uh, ancient Olympic sports, right? And curling. Uh, it, I mean, technically curling dates back to the 1600s, so it's, you know, pretty ancient. Okay. Okay. We so already did get a good dose Max. of uh, <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I know, and I don't want to layer the sound cue with the exit stuff, but I mean, there's a lot I can tell you guys about curling if you want to hear it right now. No, no, no. Let's in go. Let's the go. Let's go. No, I'm good. No, no. We'll, we'll, we'll do an episode. <laughs> Maybe we will. Maybe we will. We'll do an episode right now it'll during be, it'll, this episode. It'll be the snooziest, ridiculous history episode that ever did exist. Or the most downloaded one. Possibly. Curveball right. is curling. Let's make bets. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch stratacoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.